and they've just been here about seven months. Isn't that marvelous? Let me invite your attention to Luke chapter 19. This morning, we're going to cover a story that is familiar really throughout the culture in many ways about uh, Zacchaeus. Uh, of course, uh, many learn the uh, little uh, Sunday school or vacation Bible school song about Zacchaeus being a wee little man, and that's what the text indeed uh, says. But Charles Spurgeon had a special practice he would do about once a month with his pastor's college in London. He would go to take students to his estate uh, there, and he had a question oak, an oak tree that he called the question oak. He'd answer questions or make assignments. And on one particular day, he assigned one short student to stand up and extemporaneously, without preparation, share the story and preach the story of Zacchaeus. And the young man got up and he said, First, Zacchaeus was of little stature and so am I. Number two, Zacchaeus was up a tree and so am I. Zacchaeus came down and I will too, was his final point. Oftentimes Zacchaeus is associated with being small and up a tree, but the emphasis of the text is that when Zacchaeus met Jesus, Jesus changed his life. The story is as much about Jesus as it is Zacchaeus. In fact, it's more about Jesus than Zacchaeus. And the facts about Zacchaeus actually drive that point, Jesus changed his life. And we pick that up in chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And so he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, Well, he's gone to be the guest with the man who's a sinner. And then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus Christ made an impact on this man's life. He made a physical impact, verses 4 through 6. Zacchaeus had heard of Jesus and was so thrilled about the news that he was in Jericho that he climbed up into a sycamore tree. Something a dignified Jewish man wouldn't do, especially someone that was among the wealthy elite. And when Jesus called him down, he hurried down that tree. Now, I've been up and down a few trees in my life, especially when I was a boy, and I didn't hurry down one of them. But Zacchaeus did. He hurried down this tree. Jesus made a physical impact, and then he made an emotional impact in verse 6. He made haste and came down and received him joyfully. He didn't grumble. He didn't complain. He wasn't embarrassed. He received Jesus joyfully. Jesus made an emotional impact. Jesus made a financial impact upon Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus 
was a tax collector. And not just a tax collector, he was so effective and good, which means he was really bad and deceptive and brutal and a bully, that he was a chief tax collector. There were three main places to collect taxes in Israel, and Zacchaeus had collected probably some other tax collectors underneath him so that he was their chief. And he was such a harsh and difficult man under that system that he became a chief tax collector and wealthy on abusing people. Rome didn't really care what tax collectors did. They did not order them and govern them by code and by law like we do with tax collectors today. All they cared about was getting their money and whatever they got over that, the tax collector could keep. And that's what happened here. And so Zacchaeus had abused many people. But when Jesus came into his life, he ended up taking half of his wealth and giving it to the poor. And if he'd taken anything from anyone by false accusation, which implies he had taken things by false accusation, he restored fourfold. The law only required a 20% overage in what he had taken. He gave fourfold, four times as much. Jesus made a financial impact upon this man. And then in verse 9, it's clear he made an eternal impact. Today, salvation has come to this house. And then he says, you're a son of Abraham. He puts Zacchaeus in the same classification as Abraham. How in the world could God do that? How in the world could he take a chief tax collector and say, you're a son of Abraham. I'm taking you, a nasty, dirty, a dastardly, bully, criminal, essentially, and placing you in the same status as Abraham. Well, he did it with Zacchaeus like he does anybody. He did it by grace. And that's what grace can do. It made an eternal impact in the life of Zacchaeus. Jesus made an impact upon Zacchaeus and he can make an impact on your life today too. He can make an impact upon this entire county and region and anyone across the earth who calls on the name of the Lord. Our day cries out for change. People cry out, marriages cry out, families cry out for change. In fact, uh, Tom Rainer's done research of thousands and thousands of those across the nation who explicitly identify themselves as non-Christians. And he has grouped their responses and his interviews with them into several categories. And I want to mention four of them to you right now. One is, I would like to develop a friendship with the Christian. That's more than 80% of those who identify themselves as non-Christians. I would like to have a friendship with a non-Christian. The second thing, I would like to learn about the Bible from a Christian. Large number of non-Christians who identify themselves as non-Christians would like to learn the Bible from a, from a Christian. Third, I would like to learn to be a better husband, wife, dad, or mom, etc., from a Christian. And fourth, I wish a Christian would take me to his or her church. I was taught to witness and share the good news of Christ to make a next level impact upon people's lives when I was young, soon after I came to the faith. And I can tell you that over these 33 years, I can count on one hand the number of negative encounters I've had. I cannot begin to count the number of positive encounters I've had with other people. And the only people that are surprised by these responses from non-Christians are those who aren't interacting with them. So often, we think that they're fire-breathing, Christian-eating aliens when we keep them at a distance. 
But when we really know those who identify themselves as non-Christians and are patient with them, we seek to make friends with them, share the good news with them, we find that they are far more open and far more positive than what you could ever imagine. Would you please be very, very careful of identifying and defining the non-Christian world by the aggravation and conflict you find on cable news? That has cooled the fire of more Christians for our world and making an impact upon the world than any other single factor. And now that's been replaced by Facebook posts. Engage in personal demographics. Get to know people. Well, I'll talk more about that later. But here, Jesus positively and constructively and eternally impacted Zacchaeus by intentionally seeking him out. And if we're going to make a next level impact upon our world, we've got to be on purpose and intentional about doing it. If we just simply keep on doing what we've been doing, we're going to keep on getting what we've been getting. In fact, if you and I are not making an impact upon other people and we get up tomorrow morning and simply do what we've done every Monday morning and the next morning, every Tuesday morning and Tuesday and on through the week and do not make some sub substantive changes, then ladies and gentlemen, we're just going to keep on failing to make an impact upon people. If we want to make an impact on people, we've got to be on purpose and intentional about several things that rise from the text. And the first is this, be present on purpose. Be present on purpose. Chapter 19 verse 1 says that Jesus was passing through Jericho. Later in the story, he stopped at the place where the tree was, where Zacchaeus was up the tree and spoke with him. Later, he went to his house. Jesus was physically present where there were non-Christians, where people did not know him. I uh, recall back in December 2013, as we were looking for homes in the uh, Athens region, uh, Michelle and I intentionally, uh, and even before we arrived, decided that we would live in a neighborhood. I don't know about you, but if I don't live in a neighborhood, it is very difficult for me to make an impact on people. I've got to have the kind of life where that happens. If I'm off isolated somewhere, and I know not everyone's this way, but I know if I am off isolated somewhere, I'll simply not make an impact. So we moved into the neighborhood. We got there where the population was. I know not everyone needs to do that, but the truth is I needed to. I know myself well enough to know that if I'm not forced by physical location to interact with people, I may not do that because of the busyness of my life and my schedule. No matter my gifting, my background, my training, I've got to be around people. So that is simply another opportunity to be around people. And Jesus was here in a similar way. Jesus went through Jericho, stopped at the place, and addressed Zacchaeus. He had a physical presence in Jericho. He was in the flesh. And when God sent the good news and the Savior to the world, he didn't do it through literature, as helpful as that could be. He didn't do it through a broadcast. He certainly didn't send a text message. He did not use social media. I mean, there must be some people terribly confused that God did not wait till the 21st century to send Jesus. With all the communication advantages that we have, that's not what he did. All those things can be helpful. I use every one of them, but listen to me carefully. Look at the end of my nose. Make sure you hear what I've got to say. There is absolutely no substitute for physical presence with other people. 
No substitute. And Jesus was physical. He had a physical presence, but then a startling presence. He was with the chief tax collector. He reached out to him. Zacchaeus, one commentator said, and I don't mean to remind you of bad, bad Leroy Brown from the south side of Chicago, but he was the baddest, smallest, meanest man in all of Jericho. And Jesus found him. There have been some churches and interims where I went to the deacons in my first meeting and said, give me the worst person in town. I want to know his name, where he lives. If you got his contact information, let's go get him. And let's do what we can to reach him. This is what Jesus is doing here. Christ followers who make a next level impact intentionally put themselves in places where they can meet people, talk with them, and know them, and impact them for Jesus Christ. So listen to me. One reason that serious, dedicated Christian people are not impacting others to follow and turn to Jesus Christ is this. It, it's not that they don't have enough training. More might help, but they may not need that. It, it's not necessarily their personality type. Uh, they, they, their personality's fine. It, it's not necessarily that they lack commitment. I mean, they, they may have all of the relationship skills, all the knowledge, uh, they, they may have all the commitment in the world, but they do not make an impact simply because they do not know any non-Christians. And that's it. You cannot accuse Jesus of that because here he is reaching out once again. So let me encourage you. Every person that cares about the name of Christ and our world, if you want to make a next level impact, on purpose and intentionally seek to start a new friendship every day. Go out of your way to do it. That's the first thing. Be present on purpose. But second, be personal on purpose. Be personal on purpose. Now, Jesus in Luke 19 is on his way to Jerusalem. He started that journey in chapter 9, verse 51. The scripture says he set his face like flint to get to Jerusalem. He knew it was time to head there for his last journey there, to die, rise again, and ascend to heaven to accomplish redemption. Jesus was on a mission. Jesus was on purpose. And yet, in this text, he stops long enough from this important mission to impact Zacchaeus. Just one man in Jericho. Never, ever underestimate the power of one. The value of one. You may not impact an entire crowd. Uh, that, that really is, uh, for most of us, that, that's for someone else to do. You impact one and one at a time if necessary. And that's what Jesus does here in the text. He stopped long enough to win Zacchaeus. And, and in verse number five, he got personal. He called out his name. Now, how did he know his name? I, I don't know. He's the divine son of God. He's the perfect man. Either way, he knew this man's name. He got to know his name. And so work hard to improve on that. Know people's names. But then he not only knew his name, but he chose to stay in Zacchaeus' house. Um, and, and this might seem uh, in our day to be a bit rude that Jesus invited, invited himself over to Zacchaeus' home. But in the first century, that was to be expected. He probably had an awful lot of opportunities to stay in different homes in Jericho, but he chose this one in particular. 
is what he did. And that was customary. That was to be expected. And of all the homes that he had a choice of staying in, he chose this one home to stay in. And so he says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry, make haste and come down for today I must stay at your home. I don't know if you've noticed how often Jesus is in the house, in the gospels, but listen to this. Matthew 9, 1, Jesus sat at the table in the house. Matthew 9, 23 and 28, Jesus came to the ruler's house and into it. Matthew 13, 1, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. Matthew 13, 26, Jesus went into the house. Matthew 26, 6, Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. Mark 2, 1, it was heard that Jesus was in the house. Mark 3, 19, and they went into the house. Mark 7, 17, when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him a question. Mark 9, 33, when Jesus was in the house, he asked them a question. Luke 4, 38, Jesus came into Peter's house. Luke 5, 29, Jesus was dining at Levi's house with tax gatherers and sinners. Luke 7, 36, Jesus went to the Pharisee's house. Luke 10, 38, with Mary and Martha. Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. Luke 14, 1, Jesus went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees. Jesus got personal and took time with people. Those who make a next level impact take the time with people to be personal. They seek to learn their names and spend time with non-Christians. But there's a third thing that they do, and that is be pointed on purpose be pointed on purpose. Now, it was very possible for Jesus to get distracted from what he's attempting to do here. In verse 7, he says, I'm, or verse 5, he says, I'm going to your house, so come on down and hurry. He does that in verse 6. And in verse 7, there are people who complain. And there will always be some. You say, well, I can't make an impact on other people. Other people will talk about me. Hey, I've got news for you. They're talking about you already. I mean, give them something we're talking about. Will Rogers used to say, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Just make sure they spell your name right. Well, that may be the case with you. Verse uh, number seven, it says, and they criticize Jesus, he has gone to be the guest with a man who is a sinner. For many of these people, it was inconceivable that someone that was devoted and dedicated to God would spend personal time in the home of someone whose life was scandalous and was marked by sin, who, who disappointed the world. Jesus did not let this distract him. Jesus wanted to have a good reputation, but he was not willing to compromise his mission to respond to criticism. He wasn't willing to do it. And so in verses 9 and 10, he stays on the point. And there are six markers here in just these two verses that make it very clear about his point of being there. Look with me in verses 9 and 10. Today, salvation, that's the first marker. Rescuing people from the penalty of their sin. Salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. They thought of Abraham, they thought of faith, saving faith especially. Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him or accounted to him as righteousness. So salvation 
and son of Abraham. Then, verse 7, uh, verse 10, for the son of man has come. The son of man is taken from Daniel chapter 7, where he is the ruler over all who shatters and eliminates all rival kingdoms. And he saves his people. That's who the Son of Man is. And Jesus is identifying himself as the Son of Man, taking off from Daniel 7. For the Son of Man has come to seek. Jesus didn't wait for people to come see him. We urged uh, the first church I served to be busy about intentionally going into the community and reaching people, making a next level impact on them. And we had one church member say, well, why do we need to do that? They know where we are. Well, that may be true, but ladies and gentlemen, some of them don't feel comfortable coming on the property unless they have an invitation. And that's increasingly so. And and it's really entirely beside the point that they know where we are because our Savior did not say to the world, they know where we are. Our Savior intentionally went and stepped out. He sought those who needed God's grace. So, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save, to rescue from the penalty and guilt of their sin, that which was lost. Those who are lost, lost is a word that means perishing and drifting away, to be lost to the cause of God, lost to hope, lost to grace, lost to mercy. And outside Jesus Christ, all of those outside of Jesus Christ are lost and perishing. And so Jesus stays on the point. You want to make a next level impact? Introduce the next level influencer, Jesus himself. Now Friday I flew out uh, of town and went to Phoenix, Arizona to conduct my brother's wedding on Saturday evening. I got a red eye flight last night, left at 1130 and uh, arrived back at 6.15 this morning. I have no idea what I'm saying. I'm entirely fatigued. (laughs) I was able to sleep this time. But before the wedding started, in between pictures and the wedding, I had the opportunity to talk to the sound guy there. His name was Ken. He's originally from Detroit, Michigan. And for six years, he's been going back and forth from Los Angeles to Phoenix uh, with work. He'd been working for this particular resort for about six months. And he and I were talking, and he was really happy that he was there able to do the sound for a wedding, and the wedding of my brother. And I began talking with him about a number of things. and told him how my grandparents, my mother's parents, were married for 72 years, and how we have 64 folks here at Beach Haven who have celebrated their 50th anniversary. And uh, we've got a number of others, even in their second marriage, they're going to celebrate the 30th, 40th, and with good health, their 50th uh, wedding anniversary. And uh, how my bride and I had uh, been married 25 years, and, and how, uh, frankly, the um, Handicaps are very difficult on marriages like that, and most of those are blown to smithereens by them. And uh, we're, uh, when we learned of those difficulties in our family, we just clutched to each other. And uh, he was just amazed. He had never heard of so much marital success. And I said, of course, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with us. Christ gives us the power to do so. Well, the door opened wide up to share Jesus with him. Now, that was about 10 minutes into the conversation, and I listened long enough to step in and share something about Jesus. So we exchange uh, contact information, and we're going to communicate, and I'm going to try to share the good news of Jesus with him and connect him with the pastor who was present at the wedding last night who did my brother's and uh, sister-in-law's premarital preparation. 
one of the best witnesses I've ever known in my entire life. And so all these circumstances converge together because God is seeking to save the lost. He was pursuing Ken yesterday is what he was doing. Now you may be asking, how in the world can I naturally bring Jesus Christ into a conversation and stay on the point? Let me give you several hints here. Number one, talk long enough in a conversation. Or maybe I should say, listen long enough. If you will simply get into a conversation with someone and listen long enough, that person almost always, I have found, will say something that will open the door wide for you to share something about Jesus Christ. Perhaps your own story with Him. You'll be able to connect and relate to something that person is saying. So listen long enough. And then in the conversation, one thing you may want to listen for is something related to what you've been reading in the Bible. Oftentimes I'll say, you know what, what you just said reminds me of what I read in the Bible. Uh, what I've read in the Bible recently or at some time. And then third, if you've got a friend and you've never been able to share or make an impact for Christ with this friend, you may just want to ask the question, are we friends enough for me to ask you a personal question? It's been on my mind and my heart for a while, in fact, in my prayers, and I want to ask you, have you come to the point where you've given your heart and life to Christ or are you still in the process? That's another way to do it. Um, realize realize the next thing that I realize you, you are probably a bit afraid of a collision you don't want to be rejected you certainly don't want to turn the person off I will say to you usually those fears are wildly exaggerated and if you have them Satan will manipulate you and he will exaggerate those fears and blow them out of all proportion to silence you and to paralyze you into fear so realize that the collision you fear is greater for you than for them. Most of those we share the good news with don't realize we are as nervous and uptight as we are. They simply don't realize it. And I want to add one more thing that's not on our uh, pro presenter presentation. And that is, get ready to share your story. How is it that you found Christ and what does he mean to you today? How has he guided and directed you? One of the most appealing things about my testimony is, is where I came from, out of a secular, very secular background, and God has guided me all the steps of the way. And I've made mistakes along the way, but when it comes to where to go to school and how to spend my life, what vocation to pursue, who to marry, how to raise children, we've gotten the big things right. Now, I'm the last person that should get any of those right. I, I'm not especially bright. My first impression my first thought about a decision is usually wrong on the big issues and I'll, one day I'll tell you about that but usually my first notion and my first desire about big decisions in life are usually wrong and despite that God has guided and directed us every step of the way because one day I repented and placed faith in Jesus Christ and he is a savior who like a shepherd leads us because much we need his tender care. And that's what Jesus does. Get ready to share your story. Now, Zacchaeus in this text is a frame of reference. He's a paradigm of thinking. 
He, he is a paradigm or a frame of reference of how Jesus actually pursues us. And he's pursuing you now. You may have skeletons in your closet. You may have memories that how you, you may have a conscience that upsets you at the least convenient times. Jesus wants you anyway. You see, here in this text, what we have is that we have concern. Jesus is so concerned about him, he goes to Jericho and stops at the tree where Zacchaeus is. Jeremiah 31, 3, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with cords of loving kindness have I drawn you. God has loved you before he created the world and he put together a plan for you to meet him and a plan for your life that would magnify Christ and bring about great good through you to the earth. And he did that before he established the earth. God has undying affection and concern for you. And then he called him. Zacchaeus come down and he's calling you now. He's calling you now. He's moving on your heart. Your, your mind is attuned. You may feel a little uncomfortable or restless in your soul. You may have gotten a word from someone this week that encouraged you to be here. He's called you and he's arranged these circumstances today for you to hear this good news. So he's concerned and he called him Zacchaeus. Then Jesus converted Zacchaeus, turned him completely from darkness to light and Jesus Christ promises to do that and he'll begin a good work in you today if you'll turn from your sin and place faith in him that he will continue for the rest of your life until you see him face to face he is faithful and he will do that he has the power to change a life and an eternity and that that's the next thing he changed him Jesus even changed Zacchaeus all the way down to his pocketbook and he changed him with such love and grace that Zacchaeus voluntarily gave it up to the poor and made restitution to those he abused. He separated this man from his money and he was happy about it. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Jesus Christ can change you as well. And you need to know, if you come to Christ today, if you begin to follow him, he's going to change you. He's not going to leave you like you are. He loves you too much to do that. He's going to shape everything about you, or at least begin to shape everything about you into his image. In other words, the experience that Zacchaeus had in Jericho, you can have in Athens today because of who Jesus Christ is. Would you quickly stand with me, please? And let's pray about it. As we pray, I want to encourage you to come down out of whatever tree you're in. Arrogance, doubt, unbelief, come down out of that tree with humility. Jesus said in Luke 18, 14, He who exalts himself shall be humbled. He who humbles himself shall be exalted. Would you take a moment to do that before God now? Admit your need, confess your guilt before him. Say the same thing about your life that he says, that it's marked with violations of his law in your spirit, your mind, your desires, goals, aspirations, and then your behavior. Would you do that?
use your own words, but talk to God and come down out of your tree by humility. And then the scripture says, Jesus talked to a bunch of religious people, even in the church, and knew some of them didn't know Christ. He said, you think you're wealthy and well-clothed, you're poor, blind, miserable, and naked in my sight. Then he made one of the sweetest promises in all the word that he had made a century before, almost a century before to Zacchaeus. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus Christ is knocking at the door of your life and he wants you to open it and he wants to sit on the throne of your heart and your mind and your soul. By faith, because you trust the death and resurrection of Christ, would you figuratively open that door? Invite him to be the master and to forgive you? He says he will. And for the rest of your life, he will dine with you and you with him. Now here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. And our staff will be standing in the front. As they do, we want you to come and get the spiritual help that you need. Some of you need to now follow Christ in baptism. You just prayed that. Jesus wants you to follow him now. Some of you need to become part of Beach Haven. God may be calling some of you to Christian service, full-time vocational service. You come. God may be doing something else in your heart and life. We want you to come. Maybe you've got some other prayer need. You come. But I'm going to pray, and we're going to extend our invitation so that you can come. Oh, God, thank you that Jesus Christ is doing today what he did with Zacchaeus. And we want to pray that you'll perform it now and move on hearts to have courage to seek the help they need today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.